Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, everyone. This is the official Succession podcast from HBO and Pineapple Street Studios. I'm Kara Swisher. Look at you. Shaking like a fucking leaf. In a sense, this conversation is already over. It's just a question of how many times we scream the word fuck at each other before you do what we want. It's like the fucking Sergeant Pepper of broken corporate America. On this week's episode of Succession, the Roy family is being held at gunpoint. Well, figuratively. Their control of Waystar is in jeopardy. They're dealing with an aggressive DOJ investigation and an annual shareholders meeting looms. It's caused serious blowback from investors. Yeah, thank you for that, Kendall. Hey, accountability's a fucker. All the negative backlash makes Waystar Royco stock look far too volatile. So one investor, played by Adrian Brody, makes a bold move. Josh Aronson persuades Kendall and Logan to meet with him and face each other. Nice. Love it. Fucking King Kong, come out to dance for me. I'm on it. But what kind of power do shareholders really have? I'll get to that today with one of America's best-known entrepreneurs, Mark Cuban. He insists he has never been this guy that Adrian Brody plays, and I believe him, kind of. If that's me sitting there, um, I'm just listening to this going, what the hell is going on? But first, power rankings. Brody's Josh Aronson is in a dominant position, and he has a very nice knit cap. We'll talk about him more later and how he is putting the squeeze on Waystar Royco. Look, I I know you're pressed for time. I just wanted to uh, check in. You know, I guess I have concerns. So who's down? Logan. This time, literally, like he fell over. Are you okay? Are you having a fucking heart attack here? Fuck off. I know what heart attacks are, and this isn't one. Logan's inability to walk and talk and kind of breathe may cost him his empire. It was not a good look, and Kendall didn't help. In fact, it felt like he was kind of pushing him. It's not my fault he's an old man who can't climb a fucking hill. We're about to lose the company at the shareholder meet, all because you wouldn't give our dad a timely fucking Evian. Good day. There were lots of other power moves this week, not quite as physical. Greg tried to leverage Logan, but failed. Oh, Greg? Roman dug up some dirt on Kendall, but Jerry talked him out of using it, largely because Roman was deeply involved in the scandal itself. How does this advance my personal position? You need to think about that 24-7. You should get that tattooed on your head. Even Connor, the hapless Connor, tried to press his position. Look, sis, I don't like having my boot on the old man's throat, but I do. 
I got me some juice. He threatens to air the family's very dirty, in fact, filthy laundry if he isn't given a high-profile position at Waystar. The results are TBD, but after a down week, Connor is finally doing something. But this week's power move takes us right back to where we started Josh Aronson. He managed to get Kendall and Logan in the same room for the first time all season. They come to his place by the way of two separate helicopters on the pretext that Aronson's daughter isn't feeling well. But when they get there, what a surprise, she's swimming and as happy as a clam. She's feeling better, huh? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? She was in bed an hour ago. And those are the power rankings, at least for now. Please hold while we connect you to your conference. Little Lord Fuckleroy is joining the call. Okay, on with the show. There were so many good scenes on the show this week, and Adrian Brody's character, Josh Aronson, was at the center of a lot of them. And his biggest moment happens at that cliffside picnic table with Logan and Kendall. Aronson owns a minority stake in the company, but it's significant, and he's trying to get a read on whether he should hold on to his shares. If he sells, it could tip the scales against Roy family control. So Logan and Kendall assure him that everything is fine, despite their public fighting. But Aronson has some thoughts about that. Let's listen. Here's the disconnect. End of the day, you work for the shareholders, for me. But I think that you think that I'm some dipshit who had a lucky night at the casino, who acts all fancy, and then makes you eat fucking rodents for my pleasure, right? But I have a gun at your head. And I need to know if this is going to be a functional situation. And I'm sure you're going to say, yes, it is going to be a functional situation. But I'm going to need to hear you say that it's a functional situation. So can you work together? Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Absolutely. Joining me now is entrepreneur Mark Cuban. And who knows, maybe he has been on both sides of conversations like the one we just heard. Mark, are you a dipshit who had a good night at the casino? As often as possible. As often as possible, Kara. <laughs> Welcome, by the way. Thank so you. So th- this was a, a scene. Now, you've been on both sides of the table. You've been an owner of a company and run companies, yeah. but you've also been an investor. So right. talk about... Um, how you think about this relationship that big shareholders, you've been a big shareholder in lots of different things, right. even though you're not a controlling shareholder necessarily, and the people who are running companies. It really depends on the ownership of the people running the company. So sometimes you'll look at a company as a Facebook, for instance, where Zuckerberg owns and controls, and it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. Right. And then there's other companies where like Logan, where he owns a lot, but maybe he and he's distributed some to kids, but he's also been diluted over the years. So he doesn't have full control himself. And it doesn't appear that he's taken any steps to have two classes of stock like other people have. And so I think so as a result of that, he's got to be careful and tread lightly because he knows that if he loses the connection to some of his shareholders, he could lose the company. Talk a little about the two classes of stock people don't understand. Give sort of the quick and dirty of what sure. that means. Traditionally, if you, you know, if you start your lemonade stand and you incorporate it and you just retain all the stock yourself, then mm-hmm. you own 100% and just this one class of stock. But let's say you decide you want to go out there and raise a lot of money for your lemonade stand. But knowing that if you raise a lot of money, you're going to have to give up 
a share of the financial proceeds, right, or the financial operations, but you don't want to give up a share of the management operations. So you may give, um, you may create two shares of stock, one that has all the voting shares, which allows you to make the decisions, and two, the second share class of stock that shares in the participation of the financials. What is the relationship? I want to get into the family company dynamics in a second, but what is the relationship that people have with their big shareholders? I mean, I'm not talking about like four or 5% gives you a seat at the table, essentially. Well, not even that much. It really depends on the size of the company. If you're a a trillion dollar market cap company and you own 1%, that's a lot, right? And so you got to respect that no matter what. If you're a hundred million dollar company and you own 1%, that's a million dollars in stock. You're not going to get as much leverage, if at all. But you pay attention to your big shareholders for a couple of reasons. One, they may be smart, right? They got to the point of being able to own all those shares for, for a reason. And so you want smart people giving you smart advice. Two, if you don't have complete control, if you yourself don't have 51% or more, there's always that chance that they can convince the other shareholders to go along with them when there's an important vote. Um, and then third, it's just the PR side of it. When you're a public company, every single thing that's said publicly has the potential to influence your stock, influence your shareholders, and just as importantly, influence your customers. Because as a public company, things that you do are going to be you know, written about in the media and social media, et cetera. And so each and every one of those elements is an important consideration when you talk to your shareholders. So you want you want to stay on their good side, right? Visiting them. You spend a lot of time yeah, doing no that. There's no reason not to, right? I mean- yeah. You know, there, there are going to be some activist shareholders who think you're mismanaging, and that's where things start to get contentious. And that's what you, you saw with Josh and, and Logan and crew, where, you know, he's basically saying, you've got to be able to tell me you can produce. Otherwise, what do I need you for? What do I need a CEO that's not producing for me or increasing my returns? So I guess for me to come your way, I have a little wish list, a little EPS juicing, some stock buyback, you know, let me in. Hmm? Sounds good. I'd consider that, absolutely. I'd appreciate that, Logan. Waystar Royco is a family company. Do Mm -hmm. you like these kind of organizations? Are they harder to do business? Hate Hate them. them. (laughs) Because of this. this. Yeah, I actually, I'm not going to name the company. I have an investment in a company that I've had for 15 years now. And I did it originally because it was in an industry I was in. And I thought at some point, the father um, who has since died was going to turn it over to serious management and he turned it over to his daughters. And now all the kids are fighting, sound familiar, and in a battle to, to get control of the company. And it's just as just destroyed the value of the stock. So, I mean, I, I didn't sell any, but it's just it could be worth five times as much. And it's not. And what, tell me why you hate them, because it's because personal family dynamics. Yeah, come of course, into it. there's always personal family dynamics, always. There, there's no perfect family, and all it takes is one sibling to have a problem. It's almost like a, a multi-layered prenup. Mm-hmm. And it's inevitable. It always happens. You've never known. Yeah, there's, I mean, all I know is I have two brothers, and we get along great. But if the wrong thing ticked us off, I said something that would have pissed him off when he was 12 years old, it might turn into a problem. Do you bring them into the business? Um, they, they both work for me, but it there's, it's not in a big management capacity. They, they have very specific things that they're great at. So, but is it smart for Adrian Bro to be pushing his position on that? Like on, on whether they get along or not? Yeah, because why not? He still owns the stock, right? And so he, he only gains leverage and it's also a chance to test all the players. 
you know, what's going on with Kendall? What's going on with Logan? What's going on with Shiv? How are all the pieces, mm-hmm. um, how are all the dynamics working? So it's a continual um, pressure to see where the weak points are and to see how they respond to pressure because all that information is valuable to, to Josh to figure out what steps he should take. Right. So I want to play a clip where Aronson actually talks some numbers here. I've lost 10% of my 4% on this, $350 million. Ideally, I'd like to get it back. So uh, I guess it comes down to are you or Sandy going to get me that back? Stick with us. Stick with a value proposition. This is the industry vision right here. That's right. But how does that work? After what you've said, how the hell does that work? Well, you know, Beatles put out some of their best shit when they were suing each other. Okay. <laughs> if you heard that, what would you like? He lose three hundred fifty million dollars, which is not small, even to a Mark Cuban. That's a no, lot it's of real money. money That's right? a lot. So you know, he's lost ten percent of his four percent, meaning he owns four percent of the company, and he lost. That's already ten percent down. So he's yeah, and so he's not a happy camper. And if that's me sitting there. Um, I'm just listening to this going, what the hell is going on, right? That is not an approach. And Kendall's obviously has um, alternative motives, right? So you've got got Logan trying to balance not just his corporate health, but his also his personal well-being physically and legally. You've got Kendall trying to figure out what his play is as well. So you've got these multiple layers here, this multi-layer chess game going on where Josh, Kendall, and Logan are all feeling each other out. By saying he lost 10% of his 4%, $350 million, he's saying, I have every reason to be pissed. This is pissed. Josh. Yeah. Yeah, I have yeah. every reason to be pissed at you, Logan. I have every you, reason Logan. to be pissed, yeah, at, at everybody, right? Right. And so you, I'm already, my back's already against the wall. So you better come up with something really, really good to fix this. Otherwise, I have no reason to deal with you. And that's why Kendall comes back and says, well, the Beatles did some of their best shit after they broke up. Would you walk away? Do, no, do you I often want to walk away. I know I got the leverage at that point, right? So what right. they're telling me, they don't have any idea what they're going to do next. Okay. Well, how did they say that? Because the, Beatles, say, thing? Because of the Beatles thing, right? Because <laughs> he's saying okay. that we're broken up. We're disconnected, right? And maybe individually, we've got some things that we can come together on. And I'm like, you know what? If you've got Let It Be sitting in your vault, bring it out. But otherwise, <laughs> you know, you haven't shown me anything. Right. And do you ever think about walking away? You said you didn't sell to this from this family company, even though it's all hell is breaking loose. Do you, is there a point where you're like, I just got a seller? Do you try to make something happen? It all depends on, on Josh's money and the form, right? So if it's his own personal money and he's got Warren Buffett money, then you're just looking at the company and saying, okay, I just, I'm just going to make a corporate decision. If it's investors money and he just lost 350 million and he's got investors that he's got to keep happy because otherwise they walk, then the pressure becomes more on him. Because normally um, for people like Josh, if they take other people's money, he's got to hit the benchmarks of the industry and the expectations of the investors he had. So if Josh is an example, is um, a Carl icon and it's his own money, he can wait it out forever. If it's a fund, then the pressure's on and Josh is thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have to make a move fast here because otherwise I'm going to lose all this investment. Does that um, 4% give you a lot of clout? It's a lot of money, obviously, but does it kind of power do you get? Depends on the circumstances because you don't have to publicly report under 5%. 
But it also right. means so, there's a little bit of leverage there because it means nobody knows that I own this chunk of the company because I haven't had to mm -hmm. publicly report it. And if I just buy 1.1% more, then everybody's going to know and that's going to be an indication and people are going to come out of the woodwork to talk to me. Then what does that do? It gives you an ability to get what you want. It correct? gives you ability to put together a voting block that may allow you to win something that says kick out the old management and put in my slate. Safest option. Back me. Sit tight. Count on your gold in your castle here and I'll make you whole. Okay? No, it doesn't work like that. Can we take a walk? Look at this fucking New York wiseacre. No, seriously, come on. <laughs> it's so beautiful, it's disgusting. I mean, huh? I'll walk. Yeah. How far? Come on, Dad, let's walk it out. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So when you think about sort of the way they're doing sort of these dramatic helicopter rides and going to see investors, is this the way business has to operate anymore? No, hell no. No, the exact opposite. You know, it's like the bigger the party, the bigger the fraud. And the more you try to impress it, just look at offices like now, particularly post pandemic, the whole, you know, if I go into a biz, a regular business and I, it looks like a, a white shoe law firm, throw the red flag, huge red flag. It's like, why are you spending money on all this stuff today in particular? You don't need to do all those things, but what you do need, you need to be a good corporate citizen. And that pays off so much more. Now, do you do you like to lose? Do you sometimes say, I'm just going to lose money? Or do you say, no, I'm going to like... No, it depends on the circumstances, right? Like if I'm doing a Shark Tank deal and I'm helping somebody grow something big or, you know, or, or there's some there's a mission that I really believe in, I don't mind losing money because there's a greater gain somewhere else. If I were in that set of circumstances, I, I, I looked into it twice, twice looked at taking over a company because I thought it was really bad management. And this was 20 years ago plus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was, in my mind, I didn't want to deal with the hassle of dealing, of taking over the company. So Josh has to say, okay, um, if I'm going to take this step, who is actually going to run the company? Because if you're looking at Waystar, you're not seeing some great management. When, when a company has got great management bench strength, meaning there's a secession order and it may not make everybody happy, but there's a CFO or COO who can eventually become the CEO, that is going to influence Josh's behavior. Whereas in this particular case, if he if he decides they all suck and I got to get rid of them and I'm going to go, you know, do a, you know, go to the bank and, and do try to do a takeover, then he also has to know who's going to come in and run the company. And at that point in time, he can go to the competitors and say, why don't you and I come together and you, you know, you put up some money, the bank will put up some money and we'll just buy these guys out because, right. you know, our, our um, projections say that this company can, can make 30% more and the stock can go up 10 X. You know, Kendall, it probably isn't too late for you to backpedal on all your shit and just, you know, say you were wrong or just fuzzle it up, you know, just back off and cool it down. Hmm? Nope, that's not possible. I wasn't wrong. 
And, and that destroys my reputation. Yeah. You should listen to him, son. In the conversation that they were having, the three of them, would that get them into trouble with the SEC? Do conversations like this actually happen? I think they do. I've heard yeah, that. Yeah, but Scott, there was no numbers mentioned. There was no, um, no specifics. There was nothing that was, not, that, was, that was material information that was non-public. You know, maybe and maybe I just missed it and just wasn't cognizant. And, and there's something they right. said was. But um, that that's the key. If you're if you're saying what everybody already knows, you're just saying it face to face. That's one thing. If you're saying like if he would have said, look, I can't say this publicly, but our sales are up 18 percent. So just be patient. That would be a violation. That would be a violation. But you can have these conversations. You can talk you about these. anything. Yeah. Right. You just get a particular access that other people don't get. Like a well, regular. But on the flip side, as I found out 15 years ago, if the SEC just wants to come after you anyways, truth be damned, they, I'll give you the perfect example of the SEC, since I love to pick on the SEC. Um, <laughs> you do. You this, and Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. This guy um, goes to work at the railroad in Illinois. And every day he goes to work. One day, all of a sudden, he sees all these limos. No big deal, right? All in the parking lot. Then another day, a couple of weeks later, more limos. Then the limos are showing up more frequently. And he buys stock in his own company. He knows nothing else other than the limos are showing up. And he's, and he's betting that maybe there's a takeover or investment or something good going up. So he buys a bunch of stock. The SEC sees, okay, this guy all of a sudden buys a bunch of stock, investigates it, realizes that there's nothing else going on, just the limos, still sues them, still sues the guy and charges them civilly with um, violating insider trading laws. Now, the SEC lost, but the point is, that the SEC can sue you for anything, anytime. And if you have a conversation that is private like that and people find out, it doesn't really matter what you actually said. So you don't say a lot anymore or do you No, not? I would never talk just... to a, pub, a, a, a public company CEO like that. Yeah, never. So um, maybe we can talk a bit about the difference between jumping into an existing property, which is what this investor did, versus starting something from the ground up. You prefer one or the other? Yeah, I'd much rather start on my own because I get to control my own destiny as much as possible. I know all the elements involved. Um, I get to hire everybody. If, if you're going in to a circumstance like this with Waystar, particularly as long as they've been in business and run by Logan, you know, there's just all kinds of institutional problems that inevitably yeah, dead show bodies. Up. Yeah, the, dead bodies and, and dead businesses, right? Because, okay. you know, at some point, you know, later in his life like this with Logan, you're talking about his legacy. So, Mark, uh, last question. Name the three most interesting places you've had a business meeting. Um, in the Concord, when it was still around. So Concord um, on a cliff um, by the ocean in L.A. And those probably are the only two wild and in a bar. <laughs> in a bar. Yeah. And what was that for? Oh, I mean, any number of times, right? I, I don't mind sitting and having a drink and just relaxing and talking to people. To me, none of those meetings are stressful unless my, my back's against the wall to close the deal for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Where's the worst place you've ever had a meeting? Um, <laughs> the West Wing. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Carol, always a blast. You can watch Mark Cuban on ABC's Shark Tank or on the sidelines at Dallas Mavericks basketball games. You can see him in a bar, but not in a private helicopter flying around <laughs> and buzzing everybody. Good luck with this season, Mark. Thank Thanks, Derek. So why don't you fuck off and think about what you want to ask for to come on side and I'll see what I can do. Okay. This is the official podcast of HBO series Succession. And it's a production of HBO and Pineapple Street Studio. 
It's hosted by Kara Swisher. Our executive producers are Gabrielle Lewis, Barry Finkel, Max Linsky, and Jenna Weiss-Bourbon. Our senior producer of the show is Nick White, and Darby Maloney is our editor. This episode was produced by Michael Catano and me, Shaka Mali, and engineered by Michael Catano. Production music is courtesy of HBO. You can listen to the next episode of HBO Succession Podcast after watching episode 5 of Succession on Sunday, November 14th on HBO Max. And don't forget to subscribe for our new conversation every week, wherever you get your podcast. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hacks Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max.